You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast. Each podcast, we look at what's going on in each cropping region, focusing on those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. I'm joined again by my co-host, Pete Newman. How are you going, Pete? Very well, Jess. Very well. And you? I'm good. And we're just coming out of a big, long weekend for the whole of the country for Easter. So I'm sure everyone is ready to get back to work now after having a little bit of family time over the Easter break. But we are heading into a busy time around a lot of areas of the country, as many farmers will be looking at sowing soon. So this podcast, we're going to be focusing on mixing herbicides around sowing time. And it is a bit of a confusing area, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, I guess it is. There's so many different herbicide formulations out there uh, and you've got to get that mixing order right so that you can get the best out of them and also so that we don't end up with a tank full of yogurt, really. So, yeah, yeah, it is tricky. something I've always found quite difficult and I think what farmers do is they often get their standard brews and then work out the mixing order and then make sure they repeat that and that's probably the best thing they can do uh, to do the same thing every time. Yeah, right. And so what would be your top tips for going into uh, this sowing period around mixing? What would you tell growers to be looking at and being careful and aware of? I guess the very simple thing is to work with your agronomist, work out what are your main herbicide brews of the year uh, and then write them down in the mixing order and then follow that list. And then if you add something new to the tank, just double-check the formulation. And you can get some good stickers and things for your batching plant or your um, boom spray so that you've got the mixing order right there in front of you uh, so that you can get it right. And sometimes it's a bit hard to find out what formulation a herbicide is. So obviously a quick call to your agronomist is always a good step to, to make sure that you get that mixing order right. I know the classic one that sometimes gets missed is ammonium sulfate, for example. You've got to get that ammonium sulfate mixed with a lot of the water in the tank if you've got hard water so that it can bind to the salts and and, um, and neutralise them before you add the other herbicides. Otherwise, they're going to bind to your herbicide if you if you add it too quickly. So little things like that, making sure that you, that you not only mix in the right order but that give things like ammonium sulfate enough time to do its job before you add the herbicides. And what are some of the consequences at spraying if you don't get that mix quite right, Pete? The consequences can be anything from a tank full of yogurt, which is a disaster and something that won't come out of a boom spray, uh, through to just minor antagonism. For example, as I just mentioned with ammonium sulfate, if you if you didn't let the ammonium sulfate mix with the water and you added you know the other herbicides too quickly, the you know your glyphosate may not work as well, but it might only be a small effect, and you and you might be just wondering why you're not getting good results with glyphosate you might be blaming something else conditions or resistance or something whereas it could have been the mixing order so some things are a big disaster that stare you in the face like a a, a mess in the tank and others are just a very small reduction in efficacy which you might not notice doesn't stare you in the face as much but you could just be getting a bit more out of your products. Yes certainly well we're going to find out a little bit more about Uh, the approach of one farmer, David Gooden, who's based in Lockhart in New South Wales. And he has quite a good setup. He's got a batching plant and he actually studied spray application technology. So he's super passionate about the topic and and knows what he's talking about. And he's a very practical operator at the same time. Uh, Greg Condon introduced me to him and um, we're going to hear from him in a moment. But he also makes these batching plants, doesn't he, Pete? 
He does, yeah, and he's got the batching trailer. Well, I saw one at Warwick Holdings Farm, and um, they've, yeah, they've become popular. Not only his batching plant, but a lot of farmers have their nurse truck, as they call it, or sometimes a batching trailer, where yeah, they're carrying a lot of water around, and they have everything right there, so that they can have a person who's dedicated to that job in some instances to to speed up that mixing process and keep the boom spray going. And that's been a big shift uh, in my part of the world of people using nurse trucks and and so on to just get that efficiency on farm. And what are some of the other benefits of using a nurse truck and having such a good setup like a batching plant, other than obviously getting the mixing more accurate? Yeah, well, some of these trucks are getting around with a lot of water on the back of them, which means that you you may not necessarily have to have water points all over your entire farm. You might just need a few good ones, and then you take the water to the boom spray. So, yeah, and also, you know, just keeping that boom spray going is a big one, just keeping the wheels turning because the Spraying, obviously, we're trying to get done in a timely fashion. We want to spray the weeds uh, or whatever we're spraying uh, in the right conditions at the right time. And so, the, you know, often we have a short window of opportunity to do a really good job and, and keeping the wheels turning uh, improves our end result. Perfect. All right, well, let's take a listen to David Gooden. I'm chatting with David Gooden, based in Lockhart, New South Wales, who's a farmer and a previous Nuffield Scholar recipient, and also a bit of an expert in spray application technology. How are you going, David? Oh, good, thanks, Jeff. So can you give us a little bit of background on uh, your past as a Nuffield Scholar and your studies into spray application technology before we get into the mixing questions? Yeah, no worries. So in 2010, I um, received a Nuffield Scholarship. I travelled for 16 weeks around the world. Uh, spent some time researching my study topic, which was uh, looking at uh, chemical application, regulation, and how best to, to manage uh, that side of things. Um, so I got to, got to see um, lots of places in Europe and obviously in, uh, in the US as well. Uh, machinery manufacturers, nozzle people, grow operators, chemical manufacturers. So had a great time looking around the world and, and learning about all things uh, to do with farming and particular pesticide application and regulation. Excellent. And you actually make batching plants now as well, don't you? Yes, I'm returning my scholarship and seeing a need for something that we needed on our farm. My brother and I developed one and, and his business is manufacturing, so we end up designing one and, and we've been marketing them for the last few years across Australia, so I'm helping people people out with that side of things. Excellent. And we'll go into a little bit more detail about mixing chemicals and, and what to do around that. But I did want to learn a little bit more about how your batching plant system works. Can you give us a little bit of detail on that? Yeah, so it's just a trailer which uh, transports the chemical and has the mixing unit attached to the trailer as well. So we take it to a watering point, whether that be in the paddock, beside a mobile tanker or at a filling station near one of the sheds. And so the, um, the mixing unit sucks the chemical in and then we mix all the chemical into that 850 litre tank and then we transfer the mixed batch straight to the spray. And whilst we're doing that, we're actually also transferring clean water to the spray through another pump. So filling time for us now is about you know, five to seven minutes with all things happening if, that's a, if the mix happens simply and easily. Yeah, excellent. It sounds like a really good system. And so it's obviously improved the way you mix chemicals. Are there any other notable improvements compared to other methods that people might be using, using a batching plant system? 
Yeah, well, you can actually see whether your chemical's mixed up and, and in solution, which is, you know, which is important. Uh, our system doesn't create any foam because there is no venturi, so it's not sucking any air. Uh, and the other benefit is that it's much safer uh, and cleaner and quicker. So we operate uh, for, at ground level for most of the um, sucking of the chemical into the unit. So um, we're not up on a large trailer, so we're at ground level sucking that chemical into the batching unit. And so that makes it safe. We also use dry mate, banjo dry mate fittings, which uh, are a non-drip and a safety mechanism, which also allows uh, easy cleaning of the line to rinse them with fresh water and allow no chemical to be contained within those lines, those suction lines. And the other benefit which we didn't realise that we gained was that it's uh, really easy to clean out. So when it comes decontamination time, it's a lot quicker. There's not as much to clean out. And you can actually see and make sure that all that side of things, all the hoses and everything are clean. So that's been an added benefit of the system. Excellent. And obviously mixing water is really important. What order do you put different herbicides into the batching plan and why is it important? If you could go into a bit of detail about that, David. Yeah, so it's particularly important when you're mixing chemicals into uh, small amounts of water. And that's actually more important to get that mixing order right and to make sure that the chemicals in solution before you add an ink or you don't want to drag up a tank or uh, you don't want to get it, get it wrong at that point because if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong in the mixing tank. So um, we just follow the basic guidelines put out by JDC or other people, but JDC have a fairly good mixing order instruction sheet, yeah. um, which you might be able to provide everyone. Yeah, we'll provide that in a link on the uh, podcast page for people to download. Uh, but yeah, it's obviously really important because things can go wrong. But what about when it comes to spraying? Why is getting mixing right important for spraying? The idea is spraying, we've got to get the right amount of chemical to the weed or the target that we're trying to target. So if the chemicals or the solution's not mixed up correctly, well, you're not going to get it to the to the target pest correctly anyway. So it's important that everything's in solution and, and that the water, which is a carrier, can actually carry that evenly and and, and apply it correctly. So, yes, yeah, so it's critical to make sure that the, all the chemicals being mixed up correctly and in solution so it can be applied correctly. Also, I wanted to find out about what type of boom you use and whether you have any tips or insights into booms with uh, spraying chemicals. So we've got a gold acre self-propelled boom spray and yeah, so what we've discovered by having our mixing trial is that it adds a lot of value to the spray and you don't have to get the induction hopper and all the ventures and all the chemical induction side of things when you buy an next spray. You're better investing into, into a more efficient system and a safer system like a, like a trailer. So at the end of the day, no, a boom spray is a machine that needs to be set up right and that product, no matter what colour it is, they all have the same issues and it's just a matter of finding something that works on your own property uh, for you, really. So um, there's nothing really different or, or exciting about our, our particular boom spray. Pretty <laughs> I've changed quite a few things. That's a whole other topic in itself in terms of uh, nozzles and, and pressures and and the like, but we operate a 3TS system, which allows us to drive at a greater travel speed range, so we can spray from uh, 10 kilometres to 25 kilometres with the same other uh, 3TS system, applying the right um, droplet size through those tier change. So I think that's, that's an important thing, is having a machine set up to be able to deliver the chemical the best way possible.
Yeah, certainly. And those nozzles, there's so many of them. It's definitely a bit of an art to get the system right that you that you want. In terms of any specific mixes you use during the sowing period, are there any that you're particularly careful with? For example, potentially permizamide? Yeah, the permizamide uh, granules appeared to have some impact when mixing with Gramoxa. But at the end of the day, I think it's all a matter of finding products very impact the manufacturers who manufacture the product and and also whether it's a product or an SC or depending on the formulation. So they all, all vary. So it's just a matter of getting, having that experience and knowing how to manage mixing those up. I have had one thing we are particularly careful with is when we're using Gessaprim uh, in a post sowing situation when we're using oil-based adjuvant. Uh, we find that those products, uh, when it's in granules, the oil tends to bind to that clay when it's in a highly concentrated solution. So we're particularly careful in uh, when we're mixing mixing those together in the tank. Perfect. And I also want to just ask you a few little quick questions around um, what can commonly go wrong with mixing for farmers. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what can potentially go wrong with mixing? When you're mixing uh, high concentrations of chemical in low water volumes, I think that's the most critical time where things can go wrong. One other example of glyphosate formulation uh, with 2,4-D-based products, particularly careful uh, in those situations. So water is always the best. More water is always the best. But when you're trying to mix things and put them to the spray and putting in high concentrations, it, it's a thing of experience in knowing uh, at what point you can't put any more chemical in and you need to transfer that over to the spray. Other things that can probably go wrong with mixing is trying to minimise the risk of exposure to chemical. So we try and run a closed system by not trying to decant or pour chemical from uh, drums. So we use a lot of shuttles and viral drums uh, in order to um, minimise the risk of exposure. And I think the other uh, thing that can go wrong is farming. So products can foam up in a, when you're filling up and you can't get the rest enough water into the, into the spray. So that's a common problem. It's a matter of reducing the air which is being sucked through the pump. So all of these tips so far have been awesome, but obviously it can be a little bit complicated and mistakes do happen. If you have made an error, for example, you've got a tank full of yogurt, is there any way that you can turn it around and fix it? In a mixing tank, is, is probably the best place to, to deal with it. If it does happen, uh, a product called Superleak is probably the, is the go-to uh, thing to break up um, that mix. What was that? What was the go-to thing to... The product is called Superlink. Superlink, right. Okay, yep. That's, that's one I've had to use once before in the past a long time ago, so uh, I know it works. Well, we've had we've had great reception uh, for the first part of the chat, but we're losing you a bit for some reason. But that all the information you provided, David, has been excellent, and we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a very busy man, and yeah, um, really appreciate it. Thank you very much to David Gooden there and Pete. Safety—that's another big factor in mixing, and it has come a long way, hasn't it, in the last few years. It has, yes, yeah, with the couplings on top of the drums and all of that sort of thing, but these batching trailers as well, just even the lifting of drums and all of that sort of thing, they can be uh, make it all a lot easier. But, yeah, we've come a long way from the days of climbing up a ladder with a uh, with a drum in the hand and pouring it in the top with herbicide going everywhere. So, um, yeah, we have come a long way, and it is, yeah, it's great to see it's 
it's better for the operator all around, much safer, less lifting, uh, and yeah, just a, a better result all around. Certainly. Hopefully that was helpful for people who are going into seeding soon and obviously having to go out and spray weeds out or, or whatever else they might be spraying. So we hope that that was uh, beneficial to you. But Pete, we just did have the East Long Weekend. What did you get up to? I was lucky enough to go to Margaret River. My wife did a lot of yoga down there and myself and the kids played lot mad surfing and uh, mountain biking and everything else that region has to offer. So great time was had. And what about you, Jess? Did you get away or did you stay home? Stayed home, mostly because we had family over from the UK over the last couple of weeks just gone. And so we just needed a bit of respite, I think, after being tourists in our own state. So it was quite good. Just went for a few walks and had an Easter egg hunt at home, which mum put on for us, even though we're edging on 30. So that was lovely. But yeah, it was a really great weekend. And yeah, always good to have a few good long weekends in the year and take advantage of them. Excellent. My daughter was mortified that we were leaving home for Easter because she couldn't have the Easter egg hunt with the neighbours that we always had. So we had it on the Wednesday before Easter at night under torchlight at the park. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, so we kept the traditions alive. Excellent. All right. Well, that just about sums it up. We'll catch you next time in a couple of weeks for the next Weed Smart podcast. Thanks very much, Pete. Thanks, Jess. We'll see you then.